Man, we need a miracle right at about this time, obviously, because what we are faced with, what is going on in our life and in this world at this time, man cannot solve. All the money can't solve it. All the uh, technology that we have can't solve this. We need a miracle at this time. And simply put, what a miracle is, it is simply a move of God. That is what a miracle is. It is God intervening on behalf of mankind. And so as we are singing, we need a move. That is our heart. That is our cry out this evening. We are crying out and calling upon the name of the Lord that he show up, that he move in this place, that he moves in our midst, and he performs the miracle that we need to get us out of the situation that we are in right now. But what does it take really to see a move of God? What, what does it take to see God in action or God show up or God perform a miracle? Well, we see it time and time again throughout Scripture and the Bible. Anytime somebody needed something from the Lord, a healing, uh, deliverance, whatever it was, at the end of God moving and performing and working the miracle, he would always say the same thing. He says, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has healed you. And so, in other words, faith is the ability to believe. And you know you believe by what you are willing to do. Okay, Faith without works is dead. Faith that has no work to it, God says, is no faith at all. And so, when we practice our faith, when we exercise our faith, when we do what God has called us to do and be obedient to him, that is when we see the hand of God moving in our situation. So while we are wanting a move of God, God may be saying to us, well, I'm wanting a move from you. While we are waiting on God, God may be saying to us, I'm waiting on you. And so we need to be a people of faith, a people who believe, who are willing to be obedient and do what God has called and purposed us to do at this time so that we may see a move of God. And on those lines, of course, we one of the ways we express that we believe and we express our faith is by giving. We give unto the Lord that which he has given unto us. And so this is the time in our service where we like to continue to worship God even in our giving. And so if God has placed on your heart to continue to support this ministry and advance the kingdom of God through the work that is done through this ministry, we want to invite you to uh, visit our webpage, believechurch.cc, believechurch.cc. And there you can watch now our live uh, services and you can also give now whatever the Lord is placing your heart. We just ask that you be obedient to the Lord and that you be a cheerful giver at this time. You know, this Sunday we're going to be starting Holy Week. We're going to be starting uh, what is affectionately known as Palm Sunday. And then we're going to go into the, the week. We're not going to uh, do a couple things uh, in succession. We're going to actually combine some things. So I'm thinking what we're going to do is we're going to combine Palm Sunday with Good Friday. And there's a reason for that. We're going to... Uh, be hosting a panel of pastors. They're going to be here 
And we're going to go through Facebook Live and we're going to try to encourage everyone and answer questions that people may have. That's going to be on Good Friday. And so rather than having a Good Friday Friday service, we're going to do that. So this particular Sunday, we're going to start Holy Week off. We're going to talk about Palm Sunday and go right into Good Friday as well. And so we hope that you tune in for that. And of course, the following Sunday, it is Resurrection Sunday where we are going to celebrate Even if we have to celebrate virtually, we're going to celebrate uh, Resurrection Sunday that next Sunday as well. So we hope that you tune in and you continue to uh, be with us as God takes us through this particular journey that we're embarking on. Now, speaking of uh, questions and Q&A, our midweek services, we like to always end our lesson with a Q&A. Now, of course, we don't have anybody here. Uh, we want to give you an opportunity to still ask your questions, uh, but do it in the comments section. So whether you're watching on Facebook or you're watching on YouTube, just go into the comments section. If you have a particular question concerning today's lesson or concerning anything that you would like God's perspective on, put those in the comment. We'll have somebody monitoring that. And if we get some comments or um, questions at the end, We'll narrow those down to about three or four or so, depending on how much time we have. And we'll try and take some time to answer your questions, all right? But tonight, we are going to continue our series called Minds of the Mind. And so let's go ahead and go before the Lord in prayer uh, that he may uh, speak to us tonight, and then we'll begin. God, we thank you so much for revealing yourself to us that you are a God that still performs and works miracles. You are a God who still is willing to act on behalf of mankind, to intervene in our situations and the uh, uh, issues that we face in this life as we look to you, as we call you upon your name and upon your word, but also as we act out in faith and exercise the belief that we have in you and your holy word so that we may see a move of God at this time. And so we thank you for allowing us to gather, even if it's virtually at this time. And we thank you, God, that you are now ready to speak to us. And so as we open up your word, we pray, God, that you will open up our hearts, our minds, our ears, our eyes, that we may hear, see, know, and understand, perceive the secrets and the mysteries of the kingdom of God, so that we may be successful and victorious in your sight, Not only bringing good to ourselves, but to others that we will reach and ultimately for your glory. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there is an expression that we use, we like to use in our nomenclature, our vernacular in society. And this particular expression, it speaks to a reality, but it is based on a fallacy. This particular expression, it speaks to a reality, but it is based on a fallacy. And that particular expression or figure of speech is, don't bury your head in the sand. Don't bury your head in the sand. And we're usually talking about people who like to dodge problems or dodge trouble or act as if nothing is happening. They just simply want to ignore the trouble that is coming before them. And we say, you don't want to be like the ostrich that digs their head in the sand or buries their head in the sand when danger or when trouble comes their way. The fallacy, however, though, is ostriches don't do that. 
Ostriches don't do that. They do not bury their head in the sand. They do not hide their head in a hole whenever they approach or see danger approaching. They don't do that. I don't know where that came from, where that idea had come from. Uh, Some said perhaps it's by when ostriches begin to eat. It probably looks like they are burying their head, but ostriches don't do that. Can you imagine that being your survival instinct? Whenever a problem or an issue or danger comes your way and you just bury your head and say, what good is that going to do? Okay, What good would that do? I mean, your body is still out. Your body is still exposed. What good will it do you to simply bury or hide your head? So animals are a lot smarter than that. God created animals with an instinct to survive. And even animals know and understand they cannot survive simply by hiding their head or burying their head in the sand. But unfortunately, that cannot be the same with us. The same cannot be said when it comes to humanity because I think even from the time that we were two years old and we were playing hide and seek, what would we do? What do you see children doing? They would hide behind a plant or hide behind an end table, and they figure, well, if I can't see them, they can't see me. (laughs) If I can't see them, then they can't see me, so I must be safe right now. Or when we were growing up and we thought that there may be a, a monster in our room, what would we do? We would take the covers and we would put them up to our neck or even over our head and close our eyes as if that is going to stop a monster from getting us. But that is what we were doing. So some of us have never grown out of that mentality. Some of us have never grown out of that way of thinking that as long as I ignore it, as long as I close my eyes, as long as I hide my head, then I must be safe. Wrong. (laughs) So how are you coping with COVID-19? As a matter of fact, how are you coping with life itself? How do you handle, in other words, the woes of this world? Do you, like the fallacy goes, hide your head in a hole trying to ignore it, try to mask it, try to create a a diversion or a smoke screen to get you from stop worrying about it or dealing with it? How are you handling the woes of this world? Now, there are various devices out there that people will use. Some of us will try to eat our way out of a problem. (laughs) Eating things that we love and enjoy, it gives us pleasure. It gives us some sense of comfort. So there are a lot of people, especially in these times where we are all shut in and all we can do is eat. Some of us like to eat ourselves out of a problem or to avoid the problem we're in. Some of us will sleep. We will sleep. We figure, well, if I'm sleep, I don't have to think about it. If I'm sleep, I don't have to worry about it. If I'm sleep, I don't have to deal with it. So let me just sleep all day to avoid the problems or the issues that I'm faced with. Some of us uh, have things that try and take our mind away from things like video games. And we like to play uh, video games that put us in another world so that we can be somebody else for a while or live in another world for a while. There's so many different ways or devices that we have to handle the woes of this world and to cope with the issues of this life. And some of us, at the end of it all, simply try to mask 
the minds that are in the mind. You figure if I can't stop these minds from going off, I can at least stop my mind from feeling it when it does. It's kind of like uh, athletes. When I used to uh, play football, there would be some athletes, they would get hurt, and so they would go into the training room or the locker room where the trainer would be there, and they would give them a cortisone shot. And they say, okay, now you got that cortisone shot, you're still hurt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, your ankle is still messed up, but at least you won't feel it now. Go back out there and play. And I think there's another way that people do that even today. They try to mask the hurt. They try to mask the pain or the problem they're faced with. And so if I can't stop these minds from exploding in my mind, let me at least try to mask these minds so that I don't feel it when they do go off. The way this came about, I was reading an interesting article earlier this week concerning the coronavirus and the pandemic that we are in. And this particular article was mentioning the fact that as this global pandemic rises to a new level, so has the sale and the use of cannabis. I don't know if you saw that article or not, but as this pandemic has risen to a new height and a new level, so has the use and the sale of cannabis. They say that stock in this particular industry has gone up. Employment is going up. This industry is rising. And they say many people are stocking up on weed. They're stocking up on marijuana or cannabis in fear that it may be shut down. If the government decides to shut things down and they can't get to their cannabis, they might as well get to it now while they can. And so they're saying while this pandemic is rising, so is the sale and the use of cannabis. Now, even though it is used now as a medical use, it probably will not get shut down because it will be treated like any other pharmacy would. But I thought it was interesting, this particular uh, uh, comparison between the woes of this world, the trouble that we are in, the trouble that we are seeing, and how people are coping with it. What people are doing to address the tr troubles and the woes that are of this world here. So with all the new changes that are going about with marijuana or with cannabis, with the medical use of it, with more states legalizing it, with the NBA and the NFL considering relaxing their stance on it, it causes the Christian to once again question it. And not just question it, but even reconsider it. So this is one of the questions that you guys had submitted to us that prompted this particular series, Minds of the Mind, that I wanted to try to answer for you today. And this was the question verbatim. It says, with all of the debating on the legalization of marijuana, is there anything in the Bible that talks about drug use or modifying what God has given us for other uses than what was, it was originally intended for? It is obviously bad to abuse any substance, but is there anything that God says about this subject? Okay. And so I want to continue our series, Minds of the Mind, and speak to you today a message I've titled, Part 5, Hiding the Head. Okay, 
hiding the head. Now, let's first define what it is that we're actually talking about, okay? We can debate all day long about the medical use of marijuana, okay? We can debate that back and forth all day long, but that really is just a red herring, okay? That is not really the main issue of this subject matter or this topic. That's just a a red herring talking about the medical use of this particular drug, okay? It's kind of like people saying or bringing up uh, rape or incest with the argument of abortion, okay? Whenever you get into a discussion or disagreement about abortion, those who are pro-abortion, they will always bring up the case of someone uh, involved in incest or rape, okay? But that is just a red herring because we know and understand that is not why the majority of abortions take place in this world. The majority of the abortions that take place are not being done because a woman was raped or involved in incest. That is a red herring. Well, in the same way, when the subject or the topic of marijuana comes up and someone uses the argument of medical use, again, that is a red herring. Because let's be honest, the main reason, the real reason most people use cannabis is not for its medical use, but it is because of how it makes them feel, okay? The reason why someone will use marijuana or cannabis is because of how it makes them feel or because of how it doesn't make them feel. How it numbs them, how it masks the mind, how it takes them away from the issues and the problems that they're faced with. So if we're going to have an honest discussion about this particular topic and see what God has to say about it, let's start there with honesty. Let's start there with saying, yes, the reason why I use it is because I like the way it makes me feel. Or I like the way it prevents me from feeling. Let's start there so that we can then have an honest conversation about it. Because I believe that we can justify anything. We can come up with a thousand excuses and a thousand reasons of why what we are doing is okay and there's nothing wrong with it. But God knows and understands exactly why we do what we do. That's why the Bible says when we are judged, God is not only going to judge the act that we did, he's going to judge the motive behind it. That's why even Jesus said, you have heard it said, thou shalt uh, not murder. But I tell you this, if you have hate in your heart, you have murdered them. God says this, you have heard, says don't commit adultery, but I say this, if you lust for a woman in your heart, you've committed adultery. Why? Because God is not only concerned with the act, he's also concerned with the motive behind it. So while you can lie to everybody else and you can lie even to yourself, you cannot lie to God. You cannot lie to God about the reason why you would use cannabis or marijuana in your life. And so let's be open, let's be honest, let's be real, let's keep it 100. And let God know exactly why it is that we feel that we want to do this. It is simply because we like the way it makes us feel or the way it prevents us from feeling. So this is called what in the word because it really doesn't matter what I say doesn't matter what you think or how somebody else feels. doesn't matter what the state allows. doesn't matter what any industry now condones. 
What matters is, what does God have to say on this subject? What does the word of God have to say on this particular subject matter? Should Christians, should believers have cannabis or the use of cannabis or marijuana in their life? What does the Bible have to say about this? Well, you may say, well, that's just it, Pastor. The Bible didn't say anything about this. Okay, I've looked. <laughs> I did a word search on marijuana and cannabis. Nothing from the Bible came up. Okay? No, no matches found. Well, as we said before, remember, just because a word is not in the Bible doesn't mean it's not in the Bible. Just because a particular word is not found in the Bible doesn't mean that its teaching is not found in the Bible. As we said before, Trinity is not found in the Bible. Rapture is not found in the Bible. Bible is not found in the Bible. So there are a lot of words that are not found in the Bible, but its teaching, the principles, the wisdom behind it most definitely is found in the Bible. And the same is true with cannabis. The same is true with marijuana as well. Cannabis or marijuana may not be found in the Bible, but God most definitely addresses this subject matter. Secondly, you need to know this and understand this. We cannot simply say What is the big deal? After all, it is natural. It is from earth. (laughs) That means that God made it, so therefore it must be good. That is one of the arguments you will hear even Christians say and use as well. Hey, I'm not manufacturing anything. I'm not putting things together. This is natural. This is from the earth. God made the earth, and so God made it, so it must be good. It must be okay. No, remember, this is not the world God made. This is not the world that God made. When God created the heavens and the earth, after every part of of creation, he always said the same thing. It is good. It is good. It is good. Everything that God made and created was good. But when man sinned, when Adam sinned, not only did he bring sin upon himself and everybody in him, which is all of us, he also brought in, the Bible says, sin upon this world. Sin came upon this world because of the act of Adam. So this is not the world God created. (laughs) This is a fallen world. And in order for it to be fallen, it would have to have been at one place originally, and it is no longer at that one place. Originally, this world was good. This world was perfect. Everything in it, everything about it was good. But since mankind sinned and brought sin upon themselves and this world, this world now has fallen from where it once was. So that really isn't a good argument to use for the use of cannabis. That it is a natural drug and God made the world and so God made this so it must be good wrong. This is not the world God made. Not only that, but there are many natural things that aren't good that we stay away from. I don't see anybody having a problem with telling people to stay away from poison ivy, right? (laughs) Everybody knows that you should stay away from poison ivy. Well, that's a plant. (laughs) That's natural. God, quote unquote, made that, didn't he? So why do we stay away from poison ivy then? Because we know the harm it will do to our body. 
Well, in the same way, if something that, quote unquote, is natural and of the earth and God made is harming our body, that should also be something we stay away from as well. So we cannot use the argument that is not found in the Bible. We cannot use the argument that it's natural and of the earth and God made it. We cannot use those. So what does the Bible have to say about this subject? Well, if you have your Bibles, go with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians 6, 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. And we're going to see what God has to say about this. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, it says this. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. And then Paul gives you a list. Now, this is not an exhausted list, but after you're given this list, you pretty much get the idea of who and what he's talking about. He says, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. But watch this. And he says this, and such were some of you. Okay? Everybody say were. Okay? <laughs> and such were some of you. But what happened? But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Translation, the result of Christ is a brand new you. When you come to Jesus Christ, you become new in Christ. That's why the Bible says, if any man or woman be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away, and behold, all things have now become brand new. So all those things, that's what you used to do. That was your old nature. That was your old lifestyle. That was your old way of living because that's all you knew. That was the only nature you had in you. You had no choice but to live that way. But once you came to Christ, Once you gave your life to Jesus, once you allowed him to cleanse you of your sin and uh, clean you of all unrighteousness, he gave you a new heart, he gave you a new spirit, he gave you a new mind, so that's not you anymore. All those things that are mentioned there are the things of sinful humanity, the natural man. But because you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified, that is no longer you. In other words, there must be a difference about you if you are in Christ from somebody who is not. There must be a difference about the church that is different from the rest of the world. We no longer follow the ways of this world. We no longer follow the patterns of this world. The world will use this to cope with life. They will use cannabis to cope with life, either for the pleasure that it gives or for the quote-unquote peace that it brings them. That is not what we turn to. 
That is not what we go to for pleasure nor for peace or the way to cope with the woes of this world. Why? Because we are no longer of this world. We no longer operate according to the system or the ways of this world. You say, well, wait a minute. What does that list have to do with cannabis? Nothing there says anything about marijuana. Well, he then explains a little further if you keep reading in verse 12. Verse 12, he says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful for me. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not good for me. All things are not beneficial for me. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. You see, you have a lot of people that will say, yeah, I know it's bad. Yeah, I know it messes up the mind. Yeah, I know it's harmful to the lungs and to the body, but will I still be able to go to heaven? (laughs) I know it's bad and all. I know I shouldn't do it, but will it send me to hell? Okay, And that is the question that people will have about not just this thing, many things. How much can I do and still make heaven my home? (laughs) How much can I get away with and still make sure that I go to heaven. And Paul is addressing this. Look, just because something is lawful and it doesn't send you to hell doesn't mean that you should do it. The issue is not salvation. The issue is edification. Edification means to be built up, to advance, to improve, to be better. So just ask yourself, does this make me better? Does this improve my life? Does it build up one's life or does it take away from life? Just because it is lawful doesn't mean it is expedient or good or beneficial to me. So it may be lawful. In other words, it won't send me to hell. That's not why you go to hell. That's not why people go to hell. But is it helpful? That's the question. Listen, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do it. (laughs) You know, it is not against the law to listen to loud music in your headphones 24 hours a day, seven days of the week. That, That is not against the law. You are free to do that. Now, should you do it? Of course not, because you're going to damage your hearing. It is not against the law for you to eat whatever you want. They're not going to throw you in jail because you ate too much junk food or too much fried food or too much sugar, too much salt. That's not against the law. But should you do all those things? Absolutely not. Why? Because you know the destruction it will cause your body. Now, like Chris Rock said, you you can drive a car with your feet, but that doesn't mean you should. (laughs) Just because you have the ability to do something, it is lawful for you to do it doesn't mean you should do it. And this is what Paul is saying here. Stop asking the question, yeah, but would it send me to hell? Yeah, but will I still be able to go to heaven? That is not the question. That is not the issue. If you are found in Christ, your salvation is secure. God is not talking about your salvation. He's talking about your edification. But then Paul here takes it even further in verse 12 if you Go back there. He says this. Yes, all things are lawful for me, but watch this. But I will not be brought under the power of any. 
All things may be lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. So let me ask you a question. Those of you who feel you don't think there's anything wrong with this. Are you controlling it or is it controlling you? This cannabis. Or, I mean, they don't call it a controlled substance for nothing. <laughs> Are you controlling it or is it controlling you? Want to know if it's controlling you or not? Can you stop? Can you stop? Because obviously it's been proven through studies time and time again that it is an addictive drug. It may not be a gateway drug, but it is an addictive drug. So simply ask yourself, can you stop? You're like, well, yeah, I can stop. I just don't want to stop. No, you probably can't stop. (laughs) Try stopping for a week. Try stopping for a month. Try stopping even for a year to see if you are controlling it or if it is controlling you. Then ask yourself this, is it preventing you from moving forward in your life? Is it preventing you from advancing in your life? You know, I think of stories of people like Ricky Williams. (laughs) Ricky Williams was a phenomenal running back for Texas, then gets drafted into the NFL, plays for uh, Dolphins. But he then decides to leave the NFL. Why? Because they won't let him smoke weed. (laughs) It won't let him smoke weed, and so he would rather walk away from the NFL, walk away from the millions, just so he can hold on to his weed here. Is it controlling you, or are you controlling it? There are people right now who cannot get a job because they cannot pass a drug test. Are you controlling it, or is it controlling you? Is it what you turn to rather than turning to God. Do you realize that's what an idol is? An idol is anything or anyone you put in the place of God or above God. And if you are looking or turning to cannabis to give you what you need, guess what? That's become your God. You don't go to God for your peace. You don't go to God for your rest. You don't go to God for for your wisdom or whatever it is. You go to cannabis. (laughs) And so now cannabis has become your idol. Cannabis has become your God. So are you really controlling it or is it controlling you? That's why it really doesn't matter what it is. Paul said nothing should have power over you but God. I don't care if it's Kool-Aid. <laughs> there is absolutely nothing in this world that should have power over your life other than God. This is why Paul said in Ephesians 5:18, "Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but rather be filled with the spirit. Paul says, do not be drunk. What does it mean to be drunk? It simply means to be under the influence of another. Under the influence of a controlled substance. 
So Paul says, do not be drunk, whether it's wine or cannabis or pills or anything else. Do not be drunk under the power, under the control of anything, but be filled with the Spirit of God. It's not just wine, it is being under the flint influence or the power or the control of anything. Listen, you can either be under the influence of the substance or you can be under the influence of the spirit, but you cannot be under the influence of both. Let me say that again for those in the back. We don't have anybody in the back, so don't call the police on us. Okay. <laughs> either you can be under the influence of the substance or you can be under the influence of the spirit, but you cannot be under the influence of both. So Paul simply says, because you can't be under the influence of both and you must choose, choose to be filled or controlled by the spirit of God. I want to be under the influence of the spirit of God. There is never a time in my life when I don't want to be under the control of the Spirit of God. Never. Because I don't trust me. I certainly don't trust people around me. And if ever I am under the influence, under the power, under the control of anything other than the Spirit of God, I am vulnerable. <laughs> I could get in trouble. I could destroy my life and ruin some things and put some things on hold for a while because of that. No, there is never a time in my life when I don't want to be under the influence of the Spirit of God. That's what being filled with the Spirit means. Being filled with the Spirit doesn't mean that you can speak in tongues or you can be laying in the Spirit. or and No, it means that you are under the control of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has filled you so much that there is no room for anything else to control your life. And I never want to be under the influence of anything else but the Spirit of God for that reason. So, while one can arguably say that I can drink something and not be influenced by it, or I can eat something and not be under its power. Or I can even take something and not be controlled by it. It would seem to me this is the only reason to use cannabis. <laughs> it would seem to me this would be the only reason to use cannabis. That is to be controlled by its power. Why else would you use it? I mean, I can eat something because it tastes good. I can drink something for the same reason and it not influence me or it not control me, but there is really no other reason or no other purpose to use cannabis but so that you are under its power. So that you are under its control because of what it is doing to your mind. But I believe one of the most compelling arguments against Christians using cannabis in this way it's found in Galatians 5.19. Galatians 5.19. Paul here is going to give another list similar to the list that he gave in 1 Corinthians 6. 
He says this, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Of which I tell you beforehand, back in Corinthians, just as I also tell you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Here Paul gives a similar, similar list of that found in 1 Corinthians 6-9. But notice here a few more are mentioned. That's why we say this is not an exhausted list. These are just some of the things that you know and understand is of this world and are practiced by the people of this world. Okay? But he gives this list here and a few more things are mentioned. But notice one of these things that are mentioned. In verse 20, he mentions idolatry, which is in 1 Corinthians list. But he also has an extra one here, sorcery. Sorcery. This word here, sorcery, in the original language, in the original Greek, is pharmakia. Pharmakia, and if that sounds familiar, you uh, understand, because this is where we have gotten our word pharmacy from, or drugs from. Pharmakia is the drugs or the sorcery that is being used during, uh, or drugs are used during times of witchcraft or sorcery. So yes, it is talking about witchcraft, it is talking about spells, it is talking about potions and things like that, but it is the drug use that was involved in that as well, either by the sorcerer himself or the ones that were practicing it as well. It is pharmakia where we get the word pharmacy or drugs from. God mentions that in this list as well. So could it be that taking a mind-altering drug is a form of sorcery? Could it be that taking a mind-altering drug is a form of witchcraft to God? Because that's what sorcery is. That's what witchcraft is. It is illegitimate power. There's no mistake in it that there is power. The Bible talks about the power of, of the kingdom of darkness. So there is power in that realm. It's only illegitimate power. And when you are taking something of that realm and using its power, God calls that sorcery. He calls that witchcraft. Could he be taking the same substance, the same use and practice of it, and putting it in with everything else on this list because he feels that it is a source of sorcery. Well, either way, whether you agree with that or not, there's one thing that we know for sure, and that is this. Throughout Scripture, God tells us to be sober-minded. Okay? Now, we can argue that last point all day, but that point... There's no argument with. With that point, there's no arguing. Throughout Scripture, we know the Word of God tells us to be 
sober-minded. That word sober simply means to be or not to be affected by outside source. We are not to be affected by outside source. We are to be sober-minded. But then God tells us why we need to be sober-minded in 1 Peter 5.8, our last scripture before we close. 1 Peter 5.8, God is going to tell us exactly why we need to be sober-minded. He says, be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. God says the reason why you need to be sober-minded at all times is because your adversary, the devil, your adversary, Satan, is waiting for an opening, is waiting for an opportunity, is waiting for you to slip up so he can swoop in. He is like a roaring lion seeking who he can devour. Seeking whose life he can destroy. Seeking whose life he can put on on hold and not have them be effective for the kingdom of God. So God says you must always be on guard. (laughs) You are always on guard and you stay on guard. If no other reason for that reason right there because you are a moving target. Not because of you but because of the potential that is in you. Because Satan is going to come against God, he's going to come against the people of God, he's going to come against the things of God, and if you are in that category, guess what? He's coming against you. And so he is simply seeking whom he can devour. So God says, therefore, be sober-minded. Always on the look, always on guard because of this very reason. And besides all that, If God said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, then that would have to exclude a high mind, because Jesus' mind was never high on anything. If God said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, then that mind that needs to be in you would have to exclude a high mind, Because Jesus' mind was never high. So no, I don't believe this is a practice we as Christians or believers should be involved in. Now, there'll be a lot of people who disagree with that. You have all the case studies and the reasons why. That's fine. But according to God's word and the scriptures that I just gave you, the question is not can you justify what you're doing? The question is, does God justify what you're doing? Is God okay with what you are doing? Listen, I know we are living in trying and troublesome times right now. And all kinds of uncertainties and things beyond our control. And we don't know how to deal with it all. We don't know how to cope with it all. But hiding our head in the sand is not a solution. Simply trying to blank it out and numb the pain and ignore your uh, need to address the situation is not the solution. 
If ostriches aren't even that dumb to do that, (laughs) contrary to the fallacy, then why should we be? Why should we be that foolish to think simply by hiding my head from my problems, the problems go away? Or I'm never going to be affected by the problem or the danger that I'm running from. So my challenge to you, God's challenge to all of us today, is that when the minds of the mind that are set by Satan are triggered by trouble, look to the Lord instead of cannabis. When the minds of the mind that are set by Satan are triggered by trouble, rather than running to cannabis, may we look to the Lord. Or in other words, as Paul put it in Romans, may we worship the creator rather than the created. Amen? That is our lesson for today. Before we close and give you an opportunity to uh, gather your thoughts in light of what you have heard and perhaps answer some questions that may have been presented, we want to give you an opportunity to make some decisions now in light of what you heard. Now, what we believe in this church, what we preach, is the life-giving spirit that is found only in Jesus Christ. And I'm reminded of the story that Jesus gave or when he went to meet the woman at the well. He goes to this woman at the well and he says, you know, go call your husband. She said, well, I don't have a husband. He said, it's true you don't have a husband. Matter of fact, you've had five and the one you're living with right now doesn't belong to you. And then he equates what she is there at the well for and what he has come to give her. He says, you have come to this well to drink. You have come to this well to receive water. But the thing about it, this well will never satisfy you. That's why you're going to keep coming back, keep coming back, keep coming back. He says, but the water that I am offering you today will never run dry. It will, in other words, it will completely and totally satisfy you. There are so many things of this life and of this world that the people of this world run to because they are looking to be satisfied. They are looking for their thirst to be quenched. And so they'll turn to drugs, they'll turn to sex, they'll turn to pornography, they'll turn to alcohol, they'll turn to all kinds of things. Trying to be satisfied, trying to have that void filled. But God says you will never be satisfied. It's like trying to fill a hole with acid. The more you put in, the bigger the hole gets and the more you want. But God says, I'm offering you today living waters where you will never thirst again. You will be completely satisfied in Christ Jesus. And so that's what I'm imploring you to run to and look to at this time. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, if you've never given your life to him, then you are clueless about what I'm talking about right now. Because in your natural way of thinking, your natural mind, 
You think the things of this world and the ways of this world is what I need because that's all you know. But God is offering you today an alternative to that and one that will truly satisfy you. And that is by you turning to him and receiving living water, his life-giving spirit that will save you from all of your sin and will even give you new desires. You know, the Bible says if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. That doesn't mean he will give you what you desire. It means he will give you what to desire. You will have brand new desires. The things of this world that used to turn you on and get you gone, they won't do it for you any longer. God will give you a a new heart and a new mind, and with it comes brand new desires that are righteous, that are holy, that are good for you, that are good for others, that are sustaining, that are able to keep you and give you peace. So I'm offering you today, by the word of God and through his spirit, life-giving water, living water that will quench every thirst, satisfy every hunger, and give you life forevermore. So if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, if you've never turned from your sin, the way and the direction that you were going, that is of this world and that is for this world, if you never turned from that and turned to Jesus Christ, the cross and his kingdom, do that today. Give your life to Jesus Christ today so that he may show you that what I am talking about is real and it is true. God is trustworthy. You can take his word to the bank. He will do what he says. So give your life to Christ today if you've never done that. And to the church, I want to speak to the church. Again, I'm not saying that smoking anything will send you to hell. We know that People who go to hell go because they have rejected Jesus Christ. They rejected the only way to salvation. But just because something may not send you to hell doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't reveal your heart. And perhaps God is revealing your heart right now. Maybe he's saying, perhaps you have replaced me with something else, with another controlled substance. I am a jealous God, and I want you to look to me. I want you to turn to me for all that you need, to have no other God before me, God says. So maybe you are saved, maybe you are spirit-filled, maybe you're on your way to heaven, but there are some vices in your life that you know are not good for you physically, they're not good for you mentally, they're certainly not good for you spiritually. Perhaps God is convicting your heart right now and saying, look, I have the power to break these chains off of you and to save and to set you free, not just from the penalty of sin, but from the power of sin as well, if you would just trust me to do that. So if you are a child of God, why don't you put these vices in the hands of God? Allow him to deal with your pain and to give you the peace and the pleasure that you seek. Look to the creator rather than to what's been created. We want to thank you so much for tuning in to our broadcast, our virtual uh, service, and we pray that you have been blessed by it today, that it's done you some good, and as a result of it, you have been changed. 
both now and forevermore to the glory of God. If it has been a blessing to you, to you, then we pray that you will be a blessing to us. Go to our website. Again, you can watch. You can like, comment, share, subscribe, comment. Let us know what this ministry means to you, is doing for you. You can give to this ministry that we may continue in our efforts uh, to bring freedom and salvation to so many others. But continue to reach out and stay connected to us so that we may know and understand that all work being done here is not being done in